You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avzan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Chul, here live in the High FM studio. We are already a week into the month of Elul. Oh my God, two and a half weeks left of Rosh Hashanah. Not two and a half weeks left of Rosh Hashanah. Thank God. And just a month before the holiday of Sukkot and the following Simchat Torah, Yom Kippur. There's a lot going on. And what I wish for all of us, please God, is that we should be inscribed for a good, sweet, beautiful year. And Yom Kippur is literally one month from today. Today is the 10th of Elul. So may we all find forgiveness. May we all forgive. And may we all be uplifted by the incredible experience of the Chag that's coming our way. I want to start with a piece of music. It's one of my, one, a beautiful piece of music by MBD. It's called Ve'ahavta. And it's all about love for one another. And I think a beautiful theme here to speak about and to begin on our Farbringen Show on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon here on 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avtsan on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Rabbi Levi Avtsan. Let's get straight into it on this Tuesday afternoon on the show. I want to talk about something a bit controversial. Craig told me he wants something controversial, did you? Um... And the question I want to pose, you know, we're, we're standing just a few weeks before Rosh Hashanah. We're entering a time that's very much focused on God, religion, connection. So the question is, if we made religion easier, would it attract more people? Often the big excuse that people give for keeping their distance from religious practice the reasoning they give is it's too complicated. It's too much. So many people around the world take the approach that if we just softened it, if we made it easier, if we didn't look for stringencies, but rather we looked for leniencies, we would make religion much more attractive. And at first glance, that's a very seductive and seemingly true stance. And that is, people don't like challenges. People don't want to be pushed too hard. And therefore, let's soften it. But here's the issue. The issue is that it's not true of the human condition that we don't like challenges. On the contrary, we like challenges. On the contrary, we like pushing ourselves. We like taking on difficult tasks. So think about it. Yom Kippur, exactly one month from today. Yom Kippur is that holiday that seemingly should be the least popular of any Chag, of any Jewish calendar day. Why? Because no wearing leather shoes, no eating, 24 hours of shul, um, very little fun moments on Yom Kippur. I guess the, the funnest moment is the moment it's over and people go running to eat. 
And yet Yom Kippur still stays the single most popular day on the Jewish calendar. And the fact that more people keep it, whether they go to Shul or don't go to Shul, the majority of people fast on this day, the majority of people use this day as a day of reflection and focus on soul and meaning and God. Hardship is not what scares people away from religion. For, for thousands of years, there's been this argument within the Jewish community and, I, and within other religious communities, other religions as well. And that is, if you soften it, if you take away some of the the hard laws, you'll become more attractive. So whether that was the birth of the reform movement about 200 years ago and other movements ac- across the world, to take away some of the tough stuff and see if it becomes more attractive. And for a short term, it seemed to have tremendous success. Yet when you look down history, the Judaism that's somehow always survived and survived more than one or two generations has always been the authentic, full version. And I'm not saying that everyone over there kept the entire version. What I am saying is people believed in the full version. One of the beauties of the South African Jewish community has always been that regardless of people's level of observance, on the most part, there's been a strong appreciation for the traditional Orthodox um, Jewish tradition. And that has allowed a tremendous amount of consistency and survival of the Jewish community here in this country. And that is appreciating that whether each and every one of us are ready to live up to the ultimate values, should not change the values itself. That the values are strong enough and beautiful enough that we don't need to soften them in order to make the religion attractive. People will not be scared away by strong laws, by truth. People don't get scared away by something difficult. That's why we all love challenges in our life. We go Many people do races. Many people do various personal, physical challenges throughout the year. It's because we are all attracted to push ourselves. The problem with Judaism for many people, and the reason why often it's not resonating the way it should, is not because it's too difficult. It's because maybe people have not found the meaning. In other words, the role of the outreach worker is not to... to change the religion, but rather to show its meaning to the person. Instead of constantly looking for discounts, how do we make it easier? Let's believe in each other that all of us are up to a challenge. The only thing that's lacking is meaning. People want to know that whatever they do is meaningful. And, you know, it's it's always baffled why certain Chagim are more popular than others. As we mentioned a few moments ago, Yom Kippur, Pesach are very popular. And one of the reasons is because they have very strong meaning to people. The idea of freedom of Pesach is very, very meaningful to people. The idea of atonement and forgiveness is very, very meaningful. Renewal, lights on Hanukkah, etc., that when people can see meaning and relevance and and beauty in what they do, then people will not be afraid of a challenge. I mean, this is the country that runs hundreds and thousands of people run the comrades. 
you know, when I grew up in New York, I thought the marathon was like the ultimate, only to come over here and you, you, you tell someone you run the marathon, you're like, eh, have you run the comrades? How many comrades have you run? The idea of challenges is not a, is is not something that people are afraid of. People actually embrace challenges when they find it meaningful. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we find Judaism meaningful? And if not, how do we find meaning and how do we share its meaning with others? Because each person, each of us, each human being is a meaning seeker. We all seek for meaning. And if we were given the ability and given the, the we're, we're, it was shared with us in a meaningful way, we would all run towards it. So really the question I want to tackle for the next few minutes here on the show is, what is the meaning of so much of what we do? And how do we share the meaning of, of Judaism, of God, with each other, so that we can all embrace it with open arms and really appreciate what it would offer for us? I want to play some music here. This is a beautiful song by Yaakov Shweki. It's called Vyasim here on 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbrengan with Rabbi Levi Avtsan on 101.9 High FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avtsan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul, and we're talking about the pursuit of truth. The idea that every single person is passionate once they find the truth and the meaning behind something. Earlier today I had the privilege of driving down to the encounter for the great elevens of King David and get to meet some of the kids over there and have a conversation. And it's a, it's a highlight of the year, every year to be able to go there, wherever the Shabbaton is, whatever the week, they're spending the week and really engage. And what's incredible is, regardless of the children's backgrounds and level of religiosity, there's something amazing about youth. And that is youth are truth seekers. And they're willing to go all the way once they're shown or once they're convinced or once they choose to believe in something. In other words, the debates that, they're not defensive. It's not as if the kid is afraid to hear an idea that's counter to them and they'll push it away. If it's, if it's a strong idea, if the logic is sound, they'll debate it and they'll be willing to go and follow it all the way and see where it takes them. And it's one thing that I miss my, of myself, you know, of being a, a, a few years back, and that is the absolute obsession to find truth, the absolute obsession to go all the way. And that is why specifically by youth, when we seek the way of compromise and we try to give them a watered-down version, they don't buy it. Judaism will not become more popular if it's watered down. Judaism will become more popular if it's meaningful. And if we talk to the heart and we do it in a non-judgmental, loving way. There's nothing wrong with the package. There might be something wrong in the packaging. In other words, how do we share our tradition? This is a time of the year that people try to share the tradition with their kids, whether they're encouraging their child to come with them to shul, whether they're trying to encourage them you know, to sit in the sukkah, whether you're, you're trying to share the something that's important to you and bring it over to the next generation. And often it becomes a, a battle of wills in which... The parent is trying to get the child to do something, and the child is resisting. And the problem is not in what the parent is trying to get the child to do, but in the packaging. It's done judgmentally. It's done with guilt. It's done harshly, rather than showing the warmth and beauty of 
the faith, the warmth and beauty of what we do. Let me take it to a totally different topic, um, but with a similar concept. You know, in today's day and age throughout the world, there's a huge, huge conversation about what's the correct way to govern people. You know, it almost feels like we're back into the 1918s rather than 2018. At that time, there was the whole conversation about the isms. Which ism is the correct way to rule people? Socialism was was becoming popular. Communism was taking over Russia. Um, capitalism... And unfortunately, you know, Nazism and lots of isms were slowly but surely entering the world. Some okay, some terrible, some partially okay, etc. And today, a hundred years later, it's very much part of the conversation. You know, I was reading this, uh, you know, terrifying article about the influence of Russia and the whole idea of what they're trying to do with the world. There's an interesting article in Times of Israel today about the the major debates going across the world where different powers are trying to hijack the conversation, whether they're trying to bring in their ideas of totalitarianism, corruption, other people trying to bring democracy, etc. But very much the the war the war to dominate world opinion is back on. You know, I think when the the Iron Curtain fell in 1990, 91. No one imagined that 27 years later, Russia would be in the news as much with this, their passion for world domination. And yet that's pretty much the f- front and center of the news, the idea of who's going to hijack the conversation of humanity, whether it's Russia, China, and then the West. And what happens why are they becoming so popular? Why suddenly is there a search by people for alternative methods of governance, etc.? It's because many people will claim capitalism has failed. Why has capitalism failed? Whether 2008 uh, financial crash, the banking systems, um, too much power, too much money in the hands of a few, etc. And then when people lose faith in a system, they start looking for other systems, and usually they go to very radical um, systems, ideas like you know absolute socialism, maybe even communism, and then it always backfires, and then people run back. And you actually see that cycle not just in forms of government, but almost in every element of humanity, where we're always the pendulum always swings from one extreme to another. So one thing doesn't work, we go to another extreme. Then the other extreme doesn't work and we bounce back. So technology came and we all ran to the extreme. Now suddenly everyone's realizing the danger of technology and many people are running to the other extreme. And that happy middle hardly ever happens. That happy medium, that place where we can all be comfortable is rarely a reality. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because the problem with capitalism, the problem with morality is not... The package, it's the packaging. In other words, often we throw the baby out with the bathwater simply because we forget what the packaging is and what is the actual package. How many people throw away great ideas simply because of one bad rotten apple? How many people have thrown away beautiful things just because of a superficial or external element of that which wasn't perfect? 
often the reason why we cannot pass over the love and passion of of Judaism to uh, to our children and to our students is not not often all the time it's not the product the product is beautiful the product is true it's how we package it. and often by bad packaging we could scare people away not just from the packaging but from the package itself so at this time of the year when we you know we get closer to Rosh Hashanah and we focus and even personally as a rabbi you know trying to think about what themes to share and what to engage with people on this on these days when people are coming and willing to listen it's too easy to um change the package or it's too easy to maybe you know be judgmental and ruin the ruin the packaging and really the the goal is to be able to sell the authentic package the, sell the authentic thing in a beautiful way in the words of the ethics of our fathers picky of us that Hillel would say you should love people and bring them closer to the Torah and the point is, don't bring the Torah closer to them. Torah is beautiful the way it is. But if you love them, if you show them unconditional love and the packaging is beautiful, that will bring them closer. It's the packaging that needs tweaking, not the package. And often, you know, we have debates, if only we made this thing, if only the Bethlehem would change this policy, if only this policy would change, everything would change. Now, it's all, it's all fair debate to debate policy. But the idea that if a policy changed, suddenly everything would change, I find it very seductive and convincing, but not necessarily um, does it resonate with me. Yes, certain policies can change. Yes, it's always important to have conversations. But policies is not what's keeping people away. The package is not what's keeping a, a people away. It's the packaging. It's the approach. And that's where we can all do a little work on. Instead of all of us debating about the package, we could de- de- debate what's the best packaging? How do you share a nice message in a way that will be digested? How do you share truth in a way that it will not scare the person away and the person will not feel judged? That is a, a difficult but important question because that can lead us down to the road of impact. You know, one of the things Obviously, I'm biased. I'm a, a, I'm a proud Lubavitcher. I'm a proud Chabadnik. And um, having grown up in Crown Heights under the influence of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, um, I very much really bought into, with all my heart, the worldview. So, yes, I am biased. I'll give that an introduction. But I do think it's an objective truth that the most successful Jewish outreach group in the world is Chabad. And it's Chabad that often dress like they're still walking around the shtetl. Um, they don't, they haven't exactly adopted a, a modern look. Um, very stringent. Um, I'm, personally, I'm not talking about on other people's expense, but personally, the Chabad system demands a very stringent and high level of, uh, religiosity. I'm really looking for the nth degree. And yet, it's been widely successful all across the world, the most powerful Jewish movement from any Jewish movement. Why? I, I don't think there's a, any magic to a system. I really think that every, if we want to look for the answer, it's there. It's not a magical thing, but rather it is the unconditional love and the beauty and authenticity 
of the people who believe, you know, share the ideas of this movement and the people that go out there. And people are not necessarily scared away when they see a person with a black hat and a long beard and, you know, the, the whole uh, penguin costume. <laughs> it's not what scares people away. What scares people away is judgmentalism. People will respect you for standing up to your standards if you're authentic and if you're loving and accepting of who they are. But all too often the debate comes about where can we compromise because compromise will make the religion more attractive. How do we modernize? And yes, there's nothing wrong with modern communication and there's nothing wrong with modern techniques. But the religion itself does not need modernization. The, the Judaism itself is beautiful and in its authenticity. Shabbos is beautiful. It does not need anything to be cut off from its um, essence in order to become beautiful. And kosher is beautiful. And family purity, mikvah is beautiful. And davening is beautiful. And yes, all these things can be packaged nicer, but not the actual package. On the contrary, because each and every human being is a truth seeker, because each and every human being wants to find truth, they will not only not enjoy um, a compromise, they'll actually be put off by a compromise because for them it seems unauthentic. If it's true, if the idea you're telling me is true, then I want to see you living it with your whole heart. If it's not true then why are you selling me any of it? The idea that if we soften the punch, if we modernize it, suddenly it's going to become more attractive to who? To any person that's seeking truth, they'll ask one simple question. If it's true, then why did you change it? If it isn't true, then why are you even pulling me towards there? I believe that, it's not I believe, I, I think most of us believe that Judaism is beautiful enough to be able to stand on its own two legs and resonate with every single one of us as long as we don't get in its way. One of the things that they used to educate us when, back in the days in Yeshiva, uh, when we used to sit and learn all the time, they used to repeat over and over and over, and that is, don't get in the way of the message. The message is beautiful. Don't interrupt its flow. That means... Our mission, going out and, you know, hopefully sharing the idea, is not to enhance the message, but rather not to get in way. Don't get in the way of the message. It's beautiful. Torah is beautiful. It's the word of God. It's absolute truth, and it resonates with the soul in each and every one of us. Don't get in the way. Allow ourselves to become a funnel through which the energy can flow easily. That will resonate. And I, I think I mentioned it a while ago, but I believe it's in any kind of communication we give. You know, one of the things terrifying about coming on the radio every single week is, um, what will you say and how will you say it? And, you know, we're, we're all fallible and we all make mistakes. And how do you make sh- sure that your idea comes across, etc.? And then the, the, the one message I try to remind myself constantly is, don't get away don't get in the way of the message you're trying to share. In other words, if it's all about your message, if it's all about my message, and it's all about my ego and my profound idea, then it's going to backfire. It, And even if it doesn't backfire, it's definitely not going to resonate because people will see right through the fraud. People will not appreciate something that's not authentic. But if I, as a speaker, I'm doing the best I can 
to not get in the way of the message and to not be about me and self-conscious the whole time, then hopefully in some way the idea can resonate. Humility, a little more selflessness in the face of the message, I believe would would allow each and every one of us to have so much more impact. You know, standing up in front of hundreds of people on a Rosh Hashanah and trying to give a sermon as a rabbi, as a teacher, is it can make a person very self-conscious. The problem is that the second a person is self-conscious, then their self is getting in the way of the message. And therefore, so much work is needed for any kind of speaker. I'm not necessarily talking about a religious speaker. Any kind of speaker, any kind of communicator, any kind of writer, any kind of artist, any communicator, anyone that's trying to communicate a message, any parent that's trying to raise their child, any teacher, etc., is to get themselves out of the way to get the ego out of the way so that the message can flow. Talking about packaging, that's what we've been talking about for the last little while. The packaging often is us, the person. We are the packaging of the the package. The package is the authentic, beautiful truth. Us, the human being, I, the teacher, I, the parent, I, the friend, am the packaging. And... If I don't get in the way of the message, if I allow the message to come through me in an authentic form without self-consciousness and ego and the need for validation and all the other things, you know, all our foibles, if they don't, if we allow it to come through, then it will resonate. In the words of the Talmud, that words that come from the heart, enter the heart. In other words, when I see that something is not entering the heart of the listener, I have to ask myself one question. Where is it coming from within me? Instead of being judgmental of the listener, why no one listens to a word I say? You know, rabbis love cracking jokes about how everyone falls asleep in their speech. But often it's it's an excuse for them to, you know, to sit there not feeling bad that they're putting people to sleep. But the truth is that the rabbi has to ask himself one simple question, in my opinion. That is, why are you putting people to sleep? And if you're putting this, people to sleep, I mean, if one person falls asleep, I get it. You know, they had a long week. But if you're suddenly looking around and half the crowd or a third of the crowd is, you know, hopping a dremel and, 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 and closing their eyes and going into a, another universe, you have to ask yourself, are you resonating? Are you talking from an authentic place? Because people will be awake to authenticity. People are always looking for truth. People are always looking for something authentic and real and genuine and humble. And if we're putting people to sleep, maybe, just maybe, we got in the way of the message. This is 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avtsan on 101.9 Chai FM. Hirsch Lions School is promoting an Explore to Win More competition that started Monday the 6th of August to the 27th of September. This will be a hunt for clues, pictures and riddles over a seven-week period in different Jewish sponsored stores. For more info, go to the Hirsch Lions Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash forward slash Hirsch Lions Schools. Many prizes up for grabs. The Hirsch Lions Explore to Win More competition. Third week, the 20th to the 24th of August. Clue, picture riddle will be at Sponsor Store Corner Cafe, Shop 7, Queens Place, Northfield Avenue, as well as separate in-store competition for Corner Cafe. See in-store for more details. You're listening to 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Atzin, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Scholl, and we today are talking about, I guess, the 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 search for truth, the, the search for truth that exists in the heart of every single one of us, and 
as a teacher, when a person's trying to resonate with somebody else, they have to ask themselves one question, and that is, is it authentic by me? And this is a very difficult question. You know, think about when we try to change people. Forget about even in a religious context, any context. You're trying to get your husband to behave like a mensch. You're trying to train your four-year-old to not smash everything in their path. Not, I'm not talking from personal experience. <laughs> um, you're trying to get your student to study better. You're trying to get your employees to have a better ethic at home, at work. The easiest thing is to prepare a good lecture. You know, people always say that the scariest thing is to speak in public. Okay, I think there's something even scarier. And that is to change ourselves. To change ourselves is harder than to preach to others. It's easier to get up and give a wonderful, passionate speech about why other people should change. Rather than looking in the mirror and saying, I need to change. And this is the month of Elul. This is the month of Rosh Hashanah. This is the headspace we're in right now. Well, we have to ask ourselves a simple question. If we're, if we haven't seen that much success in, you know, implanting the values that are important to us, to our children, to our employees, to our students, you have to ask yourself one question. How authentic is it in me? How thorough, how penetrating are those ideas into my psyche? Am I a living example of the ideals I want my disciples to follow? If not, then I have to I have to challenge myself to become more of a person. I don't believe that a speech, a good speech, will ever change someone's life, but I believe a good person, an authentic person who gives an authentic speech, will change someone's life. But it's not the speech or the article that changes the life; it's the authenticity. I don't, you know, often people sit there saying, what's the technique for a good speech? And I'm no professional speaker. But often you listen to these professional speakers and they give you techniques, stand with your, you know, your neck up and do this and do that and make eye contact and deepen your voice and all this wonderful stuff. I'm sure they all help. Maybe 3%. 97% is be authentic. Be authentic about the sub- the subject. Let it come from a place that's deep and beautiful and innocent within you and then it will without a doubt resonate regardless of how good your speaking ability and your tone, etc. People yearn for authenticity, especially in today's day and age where there is so much fakeness around. Where we are, you know, we walk around and we see billboards of people smiling and we know for a fact that they actually weren't smiling. They just got paid 50 grand to put up a nice smile and they had to spend a few hours before just getting dressed up so they could put the smile on their face. When we see so much non-authenticity around us, we crave for authenticity. And therefore, now is the time, if we want to have impact, and I'm talking to myself, I'm talking to myself, you know, as somebody who, this is the one month a year that, you know, hopefully rabbis earn their wages when they, you know, they have their big crowds and lots of programs and one, one celebration leads to another celebration. It's packed. This is the time people want to get membership, etc. The question is, yeah, all the programs you want to do on other people and everything you want to change on others, but what about us? 
Will people see something authentic when they look at us? Will our children see authenticity? How many children have told me over and over and over, you know, about their parents? And often the parents are very popular, successful, dynamic, influential leaders in various fields, including in religion. And the child will say, you don't know my mom, you don't know my dad. They're an absolute farce. Just recently I was sitting with a girl whose um, father is an extremely dynamic outreach worker. Not in this country. And extremely successful and liked by many and holds his yearly dinners where six, seven hundred people come and sing his praises. It's all wonderful. And she says she has zero respect for her dad. Because at home he's a tyrant. And because at home he doesn't live up to the values he speaks so nicely about on his, you know, when he gets the, when he gets the microphone. The world does not need more leaders. I know everyone says the world does. I'm convinced it doesn't. I think just the world needs more mention. Oh, we're the leaders of yesteryear. If if more of us just became a mensch, and more of us just became authentic good people, by definition we would lead. But not because we're chasing leadership, but because leadership comes to the people who are authentic. Maybe not official positions of leadership, but the real positions, the positions of influence our children, the people that hang around us, our social groups, if we're authentic, it will impact them. People are always attracted to truth. People are attracted to authenticity. So instead of us spending so much time trying to change the package, and instead of us spending so much time trying to make, oh my gosh, if only we made things this and that and more and ten times more exciting, and all the often ideas are great. What's going to bring people, you know, closer to faith? What's going to bring people closer to truth? Is just truth. In an authentic, beautiful place in a place of non-judgment, in a place of love, in a place of embracing. And that's really the challenge in the next few weeks as so many Jews from across the spectrum will be walking into, you know, shuls and community centers and be part of experiences. The goal is for each and every one of us who considers ourselves a regular in those spaces to, instead of, you know, preaching, to just be a role model of what it is that's beautiful, of, of, of how religion has made us better people. Because if people see that, then of course they'll come. If people see that ever since a person's taken on Shabbos, they've become less faribaldic and they become more forgiving. If someone sees that ever since a person became kosher, they smile more and they're more welcoming and greeting and kind and empathetic people will follow and they'll say the product works. Often, however, they don't see that. They see, as the person grows in the religiosity, the judgmentalism grows as well. How in the world will that ever become attractive? It's unauthentic. And people are not attracted to a farce. You're listening to 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbrengen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. Rabbi Levi Avzan wrapping up the show here on Soul to Soul. Thank you, Craig. Um, and thank you, listeners. Just want to finish off with the following, you know, blessing. It's a time of the year that we bless each other. And the blessing is that we, we grab the, the next few weeks to 
up our game, not only not only in practice of of what we're supposed to do in action, but also in our emotional being, to be able to up our game in forgiveness, putting ourselves out there to ask forgiveness and to forgive, putting ourselves out there to mend relationships, putting ourselves out there to you know upgrade the status of our marriage, upgrade the status of our parenting upgrade the way we treat our elderly parents, upgrade our game. To be able to be the kind of person that when people see around us, they see there is a person that isn't perfect, because none of us ever will be. But there is a person who's growing. There is a person who's on an authentic journey, who's doing the best they could to play their part in this world and to be kind and warm and gentle. Unfortunately, in the past few weeks, I've heard of way too many people um, who tell me about, you know, terrible fights that they have in the family, terrible uh, discord that goes on, and often with very good reason. But I ask myself a simple question. Is there ever a good reason for a fight? Is there ever a good reason? Does the end ever justify the means? I don't think there's a good reason for a fight. And I challenge myself and I challenge whoever, you know, any of you who are open for a challenge. Over the next three weeks, let's mend one relationship. Let's fix one relationship which we gave up on or that we pushed away. Sometimes it means we'll become best friends and some of us it just means we'll go back to being cordial and respectful. But the animosity, the poison will be gone. Let's take the poison out of a relationship. Because it's only then that when we come on Rosh Hashanah, we can actually feel that when we ask God to forgive us, we can come from an authentic place and say, God, I've forgiven. Now please forgive me. I've let go of the past. Won't you let go of my negative past? It's one of the most difficult preparations we can do for this new holiday, for the new year, for Rosh Hashanah. But I would argue was probably the most, if not one of the most meaningful ones. We could talk about all the hatred out there in the world and all the anti-Semitism and racism and bigotry. But if there's hatred in our own heart to anyone, especially to a close person, a blood relative, a friend. The conversation is, is is then unauthentic. It's not valid. How can we solve the hatred in the world if there's hatred in our heart? How can we teach the world to forgive if we cannot forgive? And how can we tell people to get over greed if we can't get over a stolen inheritance? My name is Rabbi Levi Aftson, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Schultz, signing off here on 101.9 Chai FM.